We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Report. I'm here as always with Hassan Rahim, and we are excited to be joined by a special guest, Michael Dubner. Uh, he's a writer for Rotoviz, uh, DFS guru, FanDu- FanDuel uh, expert, who I always am uh, excited to read his stuff every week. Uh, Mike, how's it going? Hey, uh, Hassan and Blair. I always have a lot of fun on the show, so it's good to be back on. Definitely. Yeah. And- Michael, thank you so much for joining us. I actually did want to talk a little bit about your bink from last week and, you know, any of the, any of the, the, the lessons learned, uh, did it carry over into any success this week? Uh, this week I had another good sweat. I think I ended up finishing seventh out of 94 in this, this small field tournament. Um, unfortunately, uh, had a little bit too much pits and uh, Robbie Anderson this week, so wasn't able to come out on top this week. Um, but yeah, having some success in the small fields, um, this season. So it's going well over on FanDuel. Yeah. And just, and, and just for the people here, the Viking shirt you're wearing, which player is that for? This is the, uh, the fantasy RB one, Mike Boone. Yeah, buddy. The God himself, maybe he will emerge. Um, there were reports that Javante Williams was injured today. And uh, the severity is yet to be known, but uh, Mike Boone seems to be healthy and off uh, IR. So let's see what happens here. So Mike we're still re- going to take over the season at some point anyway. Now it's just uh, making the path a little bit easier. It's a question of when, not if. Always, always was. <laughs> Do we have any details on this on this Javante thing? No, nothing yet. I've been trying to like look around and try to make sure that this is 100% accurate just in terms of what's going on. Cause I, I, I wasn't watching that game. Unfortunately, yeah. we were all uh, kind of glued to this Tampa Bay New Orleans game instead of the, whatever, whatever football was being played in Washington, Denver. <laughs> um, not, not pretty folks. Not, not pretty. I mean, if Javante does have to miss some time, are we thinking, I mean, obviously that could be, Big for Mike Boone, but are we thinking that just becomes Melvin Gordon's backfield or? No. Like Michael <laughs> was saying, man. It Mike doesn't Boone, even matter. Mike Boone's Melvin coming, Gordon's baby. Dust. Mike Boone's going to yeah. emerge at some point this season. That's any football season, we're going to see a Mike Boone 20 point game. So it's only a matter of time. Yeah, but I wonder, uh, you know, just looking at this box score here, um, I have one of two options. Uh, Either we can move to another game after I'm done discussing this, or I'm going to go wash my eyes out with bleach. But um, <laughs> so you've got so this was a game where Washington showed absolutely nothing, uh, and Denver kind of capped it off with with, with a Melvin with a Melvin Gordon touchdown in the fourth in the fourth quarter. But um, I think just because they were really thrashing Washington, there might have been no incentive for them to risk. Uh, further injury to Javante. So I guess uh, we got to keep our eyes peeled in the news reports going forward. Well, let's talk about another Mike, rookie quarterback Mike White, who threw for over 400 yards in his debut 
Um, he's already been named the starter for Thursday against the Colts. I guess the question is when Zach Wilson is healthy, should he even be the starter anymore? Or, um, I mean, he looked awful this season. What are we thinking on that? Yeah. Zach Wilson has certainly not looked good this year. Um, and Mike White has already had a better game than Wilson has had so far this season. Um, I don't think anyone really ever even saw this coming though from Mike White. So it was kind of out of nowhere. Um, I don't really think the quarterbacks on the Jets will really be interesting in fantasy. I guess it's more of a matter of if they'll be able to support the surrounding cast. And I mean, at least to me, the most interesting thing here is Michael Carter's emergence finally over um, this middle portion of the season where he he's had 23 targets now over the last two weeks. So he's really kind of emerging as a that zero RB hero that we really needed. Um, especially with, you know, the majority of his points coming through the passing game, um, which is always nice to see. I know, I know, Michael, you've seen the, the, the box score, but Blair, you have not. Out of curiosity, do you know how many targets Michael Carter got? 13. Close, gotcha. 14. Oh. <laughs> this guy missed it by one. Uh, no, so I was close. actually genuinely surprised. Um, you know, the only guy who saw this performance coming was Mike White, who tweeted back in 2013, Peyton Manning, I hate to break it to you, but I'm going to break your record one day. Which record? No one knows. But, uh, I mean, he's here, and he's fantastic, right? Like, like, like this is kind of ridiculous to me that, uh, that Mike White looks, I mean, better than Zach Wilson, yes, but also, frankly, better than Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> better than Trey Lance. Um, like pretty much any rookie quarterback taken in the first, right? Like it's actually kind of ridiculous. Um, Michael, I wanted to get your thoughts on 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 Ty Johnson because he's also kind of that big play uh, home run threat kind of guy. And I really wanted to get your thoughts here on Ty Johnson. Is he startable at all in your opinion? Is he even worth, um, you know, or is this just one of those where you've got a good chunk of him in your best ball teams? And you're just sort of praying like I am. Don't even ask how I wound up with a good chunk, but here we are. Yeah, no, I, I certainly have a fair share of Ty Johnson, especially from early in, early in draft season when he was a guy going the 20th round. Um, and, you know, you could expect at least some fantasy points, which you can't expect from someone in that range. Um, I mean, Johnson today had only uh, four carries, but he did have six targets yeah. that he turned into 70 yards in the touchdown. Uh, so you like to see that production, but it was only really six targets on 45 pass attempts. Um, Carter really does seem to be the RB1 really taking over this backfield at this point. I guess, you know, on some of our road of his really RB desperate teams, I could see a scenario where you play Ty Johnson, especially when you're expecting a negative game script um, and they're going to be passing a lot. Certainly don't think he's a must-start by any means, but I guess you could do worse than Ty Johnson. Yeah, it's hard to really take too much uh, away from, I think, from Mike White's performance in just one game. Like, he looked really good. Well, I mean, I don't know. He threw two interceptions, but he he was putting up points. Um, But I think, you know, the one thing that, that looks like it might be bankable is that he's throwing to his running backs a lot. So that is at yeah. least a good sign. Even if the Jets are going to be terrible the rest of the season, those running backs are going to get targets um, as long as Mike White is the quarterback, which is at least one more week. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the Jets were kind of happy with how Zach Wilson was moving in practice. But after today, they might just be willing to take their time with him, right? Like mm-hmm. um, uh, they, they traded, they panic traded at sixth for Joe Flacco. And, 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 <laughs> And folks, I mean, Mike White looks like a young Joe Flacco out there, you know? Just, <laughs> just really did his job. Um, elite. He really, yeah, exactly, exactly. He looked elite. Um, on the other side of the ball, Michael, I really wanted to get your thoughts here on, on the Bengals' obsession with establishing Joe Mixon. Because, <laughs> I mean, he, he had 14 carries. 14 carries for 33 yards and a score. And they also fed him five targets. I mean, which he did. I mean, he did better in the receiving game. You know, four catches, fifty-eight in a score. Um, you know, so what are your thoughts here with with Joe Mixon and the Bengals' reliance on, quite frankly, establishing this guy? Yeah, I mean, Mixon certainly had a horrible rushing line. Um, I think that the the five targets 
were certainly more promising, especially in a game where we were a little bit more concerned with, um, I think Samaj P. Ryan was coming back here. Yeah. Um, so we weren't really sure what to expect through the air. Um, so Mixon getting those five targets is certainly encouraging for him moving forward. Um, I mean, to me, Mixon just seems like a pretty good play if you're expecting the Bengals to score a lot of points. Like if they're going to put up 30 points, you can expect a good game from Mixon. Um, he seems to be uh, kind of more a product of the offense. He certainly, you know, like you said, they're trying to establish him and he's consistently shown that he's inefficient. Um, but the Bengals to me are really about that passing game, just getting access to Burrow and the the two two alpha receivers and also Boyd as well. Yeah, um, Michael Hitchcock makes a really good point in the comments about Higgins, and he's and he had two really good catches today. Um, it is, it, it was nice to see that. I think what really worries me a lot about about Higgins is that um, he only had the six targets, right? He like he, but like I mean, again, he caught four for ninety-seven. I know we're all heavily invested here on Higgins, Michael. Do you think that we see like a bounce back slash? future incoming breakout here for, for the receiver, or is, is he going to have to do more with less volume? I think Higgins, Higgins is really just too good to really uh, not expect him to really bounce back over the second half of the season. He did, you know, he is very efficient today, turning four, four catches into 97 yards. He might have to remain efficient because Chase is clearly taking over as the, the true alpha here, getting the nine targets here. Um, I think maybe the slightly more concerning part for Higgins is we've seen the tight end emerge here in CJ Uzoma. So he's kind of pulling volume away from, from the, from the receivers. Um, but I think that ultimately we can expect Higgins to bounce back, especially as Burrow continues to get more comfortable um, and throwing for like, like 303 pretty much every week now. Yeah. It's just um, the thing that really shook me in this game was uh, Boyd's targets. Cause we've really seen those tail off, trail off. Right. And from, and from where my, expectations were pre-game uh i was expecting the bengals to show up and just thomp the jets and we could have seen another like tyler boyd doa game where he just gets like two targets he had eight today so he kind of I, and i wasn't sure if this was primarily because the team was funneling targets his way but it does look like to your point jamar chase has truly taken over as the alpha they were force feeding him targets even though he was like Triple covered. I think. I think at some point they were trying to get uh, the corpse of Fireman Ed on top of on, on top of Jamar Chase, um, just just as a you know distraction in the field type thing. You know, like Boyd for you is he just sort of this volatile flex play going forward? Just one that you really need to put in like in like uh, potential shootouts. Yeah, I, I don't really want to start Boyd if I don't have to at this point. To be honest, um, especially in half PPR leagues, I'm going to be shying away from it. Um, uh, to me, it seems like you really only want to play Boyd if you're expecting the Bengals to pass a lot. Um, and you know, with how heavy wide receiver we tend to draft at Roto is, I kind of imagine you have some better, more reliable options at this point, but mm-hmm. I'd like to get some of Blair's opinions on this. I know that you're, uh, I believe you tend to be a big Boyd fan, so maybe you have better insights into this. Um, not really. I am a Boyd fan. I think what is maybe most surprising to me is that Cincinnati's not kind of throwing the ball more, that they're not yeah. letting Burrow get up near 40 attempts. Um, you know, kind of the thesis on all three of these receivers going into the season is that Cincinnati's going to throw enough and be efficient enough that they can all put up, you know, top 24 seasons conceivably. So, um, but if that volume is not going to be there in terms of the whole offense, then uh, yeah, it becomes pretty hard to trust Boyd and even Higgins. I think, Um, you know, it looks like Chase is going to get the targets and he is apart from today, he's been efficient in, in every game, even today he had a touchdown. So um Dude, more than efficient, dude. He's been like a godsend of the position, like like on the volume that he's been getting and what he's been doing with it. I thought it was yeah. interesting that the the Bengals only had twenty three minutes of possession today. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they they Very did only catch. throw it what thirty four times. I wonder what, what that would have looked like if they had more time of possession. Um. I know that 
Mike Leone has been posting those pass rates over expectation charts. It seems like the Bengals were, you know, very run heavy to start the year when Burrow was kind of, you know, they were easing him back in. It seems like over the past few weeks, they've kind of unleashed him more. So hopefully as he gets more comfortable through the season, we, we uh, see that pass rate continue to increase. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if, if you start to see the volume increase and you can kind of start to see that as a trend and count on it, then Boyd becomes a lot more interesting as a, as a startable player. Yeah, I mean, I kind of am going to fade away from that just a little bit. Um, just because, uh, yeah, that's uh, so. So, Michael does ask a good question about Chase being the best wide receiver in football. I think he's definitely top five. Um, it's hard to distinguish between him, uh, AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, and I'm trying to, I'm blanking on it's Diggs. And then, like, I think depending on the day, probably CD would be the other one who had put up. Um, because I did want to talk about AJ Brown from the other game who caught, uh, I mean, I mean, what do you want? Like he's back, man. 10, 10, he caught 10 of his 11 targets for 150 yards, 55 yards and a score as the, the Titans beat the Colts. Uh, I mean, M- Michael, like, um, are we just, is this it? Like, is this like has been, we've been, we've been basically convinced that like that two, three turn where you were able to just get AJ Brown for free, like anywhere there, like this is it, right? Like this is where we just are going to, it's time to basically take our pants off and just enjoy for the next you know, seven weeks. Right. Like we like, this is what we're going to, this is what we were paying for. Yeah. I mean, this is why we play fantasy football. This is our edge here is that AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson at the two, three yeah. turn. Um, I mean, these guys are the, you know, the, the, the rising stars of the NFL for the next couple of years. And we just want to get as much exposure to that as possible. Yeah. I mean, and this is like, I mean, God bless the people who are like, Julio Jones might be a drag on, 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 on AJ Brown. I just like, God bless those guys that I didn't know what year it is. <laughs> what is, um, your opinions on Michael Pittman. He's kind of emerging as this borderline target hog alpha receiver. He had 15 targets today. Um, I mean, I personally, you know, my issue with uh, not coming close to to first place in DFS today was because I faded Pittman. Um, But, you know, he's now had a couple weeks here in a row where he's not only turning, um, being efficient with his volume, but is getting the volume as well. Um, so what are your opinions on him moving forward? I think that, I mean, this is, you know, it's not the first time we've seen him get volume this season. So I think if he had a couple games with 12 targets earlier in the year, I think if, uh, I mean, if the Colts are going to use him like that, then obviously he's got a ton of value. And I mean, you know, when he's, He's also efficient. I don't know if we can expect that to that to keep up, but still, I mean, if he's going to get double-digit targets, then yeah, he's the real deal for sure. I don't have a lot of him on my teams. I think the only place that I ended up drafting him was on one of our uh, one of our <laughs> Pentagon drafts, where well, probably Pete talked us into him. Yeah, yeah, Pete talked so, us into him. on that one. Yeah, he 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 he, he talked us into Pittman. Uh, he's sweet doctors. I was drafting him quite a bit just because of where his cost was in, in, in best ball this season was, was, was fairly cheap. Uh, he was going around just a bunch of guys I didn't want at all at the position I didn't care for. Um, mm-hmm. I will say what's really interesting about, about Michael Pittman, especially today, Michael, like yourself, uh, you know, we, you know, you get in there like rosters lock. 10 minutes in, I realized I've got like zero Pittman and I'm just, I'm like dusted. And like, and like Pittman was a chalk, right? He was like 30%, like 30, 33%. And then he's just like dust, like you, you dust like 10 minutes in. I was like, well, that was a good run. Like, I guess <laughs> I, had, I had hope. Like, um, what, what, what I do like quite a bit, at least about Pittman is they've got, they've got someone, right? Like, I mean, uh, I remember this off season. People were trying to make uh, Zach Pascal a, a thing. He's still, people are still trying to make up a thing. Uh, God bless their hearts. I have no idea why they're doing this. Um, I think Ty Hilton ran out there for a little bit uh, before getting hurt. Uh, like 
Paris Campbell is, uh, I mean, he's probably spent more time in uh, in the hospital than he has on a field. Poor guy. I hope he gets well. But, I mean, he's probably never going to be a thing. I think what really got people off of Pittman and anyone else in this offense was um, the uncertainty at quarterback was with Carson Wentz. Michael, I know I wanted to get your thoughts on this because somehow Wentz is playing better than ever despite having a low ankle sprain and a high ankle sprain <laughs> in two different legs. Like how like, – medically, how is this possible and do you think this actually continues? I will not be offering a, a medical opinion on the, on this matter. Um, <laughs> but, but, I mean, I, I'm not a fan of Carson Wentz in fantasy. I think that – to me, he's more of a guy that could maybe support your skill position players in Pittman or Jonathan Taylor, be like good enough so that way they can they can do well. But I wouldn't really have interest in in acquiring Wentz for fantasy at least. Yeah, that's that's actually a good take. It's just one of those. Uh, I mean, except that he's going to pop off sometimes, and just Braid isn't against you. Yeah, I mean, even like today, you. He wasn't that good, right? Um, know, 51 attempts. I mean, you can get 18 points, I think, uh, from someone who you might be able to feel a little bit more comfortable on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, I, I, I'm. frankly, I'm going to be rolling on Mike White, all right? <laughs> I've, never, I've never felt more comfortable than, 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 than a half day. Uh, and I didn't roll him out, so that's on me. All right, I did. I did want to, you know, we, we we touched on him earlier, uh, but Michael, Kyle Pitts, man, what do we do with this guy? Right, like like you respect him. So today, Calvin Ridley declared out with a personal matter, and I think he's taking time away from the game. He's got some. He's dealing with some serious issues personally. So our best, um, you know, we're hoping Ridley takes the time to get right, come back. Uh, you know, so basically this makes rookie tight end Kyle Pitts the focal point of the offense. Absolutely does against whatever, you know, the Panthers today. Got two of six targets for 13 yards. Are you going back to the well with Pitts next week? Or are you not willing to pay these prices here in DFS? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think that we all acknowledge that you know, we hope Calvin Ridley gets healthy and he takes the time he needs to before he comes back. Um, but in terms of fantasy for for Kyle Pitts, he's obviously. I think we can all agree he's, his value is going to go to the moon with this news. Um, especially, you know, he's essentially going to be an alpha wide receiver that you can play at tight end, um, which is you know obviously rare in today's tight end landscape. Um, I'm certainly willing to go to the well, especially I'm not sure how his price is going to change after a dud. Um, but I thought that he was good chalk today and that you should have mm-hmm. just, I, I personally played him, I think on 95% of lineups today, I think I, he, I played him in cash and five of six, uh, GPP teams. Um, I think he was well worth the play given that your other options at tight end, aren't aren't appealing as well so you know you have to you have to remember if if you're not playing kyle pitts then who are you playing instead um and i don't want to play these dust balls when i can play you know a generational prospect instead yeah blair you're saying so oh no i mean i i uh agree with that for the most part i think kind of the concern that you saw today is that this is a team that didn't have many receiving weapons to begin with and lost basically their top receiver. And, uh, you know, today they struggled to move the ball. Like they could only, uh, Matt Ryan only threw 27 passes. And I don't think that's because they weren't trying to throw. Um, so, you know, the kind of the market share situation for Pitts looks good, but is there enough production in this offense for him to, pay off i guess is the question um without ridley is this going to be a team that really struggles to put up points yeah i think that you know i think pitts is the you know obvious uh member who's going to benefit the most in terms of market share of the offense and of course his efficiency might dip a little bit especially if the the offense can't move the ball enough 
Um, I think that, you know, even more so than Pitts, though, I think the one who benefits the most here is probably Cordarrelle Patterson because now he's going to really probably start to fill in a reliable receiving role, which he's already had this year. Uh, but you can maybe potentially envision games where he can even approach double-digit targets in addition to his, you know, 10 to 12 carries he probably gets a game. So I think the guy who I, I probably want to target here the most is Patterson, who I played a lot on Fandle today as well. Um, he had a pretty good, pretty good game of 15 points, but he definitely left a lot of production on the table with given how poor this offense was. Um, so you could really see his value spike if the Falcons can at least move the ball a little bit. Yeah. And, and you, you assume Arthur Smith would, would probably try to do that a little bit, especially after we saw Mike Davis be sidelined last week, but Nope, not this week. They decided they wanted to establish this guy. Um, <laughs> the that so that, that Mike Davis really they gave him six targets and then sort of you know nine carries. Um, I, I you can guess how he did right. Like he posted sixty six <laughs> yards from scrimmage um, on very limited opportunity because the fan, like the Falcons themselves are you know they're playing. So this is a very slow, just a just an ugly, ugly, ugly game. But I wanted to get uh, your thoughts on Robbie Anderson on the other side. I know you mentioned that you played Robbie, uh, and he completely dusted you. But today was the f- like, I mean, the teams moved on, man. One target, one target for Robbie today. Uh, is the dream dead? Is that it? Yeah, I, I think I've learned my lesson now. I think this is the third or fourth week in a row where I played Robbie on my 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 top uh, small field team. Um, and he just continues to disappoint. Now that the volume has completely evaporated, I'm officially done with him. Uh, I was willing to convince myself that he was a good play when he was getting you know, 10 targets or so, but I know that he did get hurt in the second half, um, but he was non-existent before then as well. Um, so it seems like given how inefficient he's been, maybe the team just decided that they've tried to work in other pieces of the offense. I'm looking at their target list and it looks like at least 10 players received a target. So maybe they're just trying to figure out who can fill in that role. Um, I think, you know, besides Robbie Anderson as well, this game taught us that Russell Gage was probably one of the worst values of fantasy drafts who didn't receive a target. Um, even though there wasn't really any receivers on this team, on the Falcons team. Um, so yeah. I remember Gage was getting steamed up to like, ADP of 100 or something, which was insane. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine that they think like, like that Carolina is thinking that Amir Abdullah and Tommy Tremble targets are better than trying to throw to Robbie Anderson. But uh, my, I mean, Michael Hitchcock makes a good point though. Robbie got smoked in a Darnold hospital ball. Yeah, I did not. I did not. I did not see before that. then, though. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was in the second half. Yeah. Um, I believe Darnold also left this game with a concussion, and it sounds like they're optimistic he'll be okay to go next week. But I mean, you know, we kind of have been seeing him struggle for the last few weeks after his hot start. But I mean, if if PJ uh, e. Walker is the quarterback next week or for a few weeks, what does that do to this offense? Yeah. I mean, PJ Walker, Darnold has looked bad the last few weeks, but PJ Walker looks atrocious. So <laughs> I, I would not be very interested of, of course you're still going to play DJ Moore and uh, Chubba Hubbard. But other than that, you can't really, um, you know, expect much from this offense. Um, especially, you know, they, they only put up 19 points to get, today against the Falcons. So I would be concerned at least Darnold can help them access a ceiling Walker. I would be concerned about a low floor and low ceiling. Um, um, McCaffrey is eligible to return next week. I believe. So lowering um, their own ceiling. So they're going to be lowering their ceiling further. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe McCaffrey can play quarterback. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Hey, hey, Chuba, maybe Chuba can do it. I let me go check out and see if he's got any uh Hubbard college. I'm gonna look and see if he's ever thrown a thrown a football in college. <laughs> I mean, would you be would you be wanting you can't not play McCaffrey if you own him, even if this offense is bad. So I mean you know, Running backs on bad teams are usually not where we want to go, although we've seen, obviously, Michael Carter getting a ton of targets. DeAndre Swift has been getting a ton of targets, so McCaffrey will be fine. But, um, yeah, if you have a lot of DJ Moore shares, Ugh. then this is, this is been now? Just all of us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, yeah, we can, we, we can honestly change this pod to just be the DJ Moore support group, and we can all meet here and, and have drinks. <laughs> Um, every Sunday night. Um, I will say, I will say, I am gonna be fascinated to see what the Panthers do here as the trade deadline is looming. They've been in. Uh, there seems to be one side of the media that is convinced that they're trading for Deshaun Watson, and then as soon as that report comes out, there's another side of the media that immediately <laughs> says there is no trade happening. And so, um, what happens here? will be something worth watching for as we barrel towards uh, the deadline on November the 2nd. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, Michael, I, I did want to talk a little bit about this... Um, Miami and their wide receiver, at least they they target distribution now that Parker's in the mix. But Jalen Waddle, he goes, you know, uh, another rookie who underperformed today. He had twelve targets, caught four of those for twenty nine yards. Um, as Miami lost to Buffalo, you know, are any of these guys? How do you start them in DFS? It would be a better question. <laughs> like, who would you figure out? Do one, I guess the question is, do you play a Miami wideout? And then do who do you figure out how to who to play? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind using a Miami receiver. I would only use them when they're correlated, either in a game stack or like a, a mini one-off correlation. Um, I think they're all viable, though. We've definitely seen them pop up for big games. I mean, Waddle did have 12 targets today, even though mm-hmm. he didn't have a good fantasy game. I think that certainly is encouraging for, um, you know, shootout potential, at least. Um, I think that, you know, the target in terms of who you pick and how reliable it is, it certainly becomes a little bit more mu- uh, muddled when Parker's in the mix. Uh, but I think that also kind of draws ownership away from them. Uh, I mean, like Waddle and Jasicki would have been chalked today if, if Parker wasn't playing because it would have been so condensed. Uh, but we, we're still seeing them get double-digit targets even when they're there. Um, so I guess, you know, maybe uh, I think it's also interesting, though, that that Gaskin is still kind of being a little bit involved. Um, but, yeah, I think it kind of just depends on the offensive environment for what we'd expect in that game. I think they're all in the mix, though. 
Buried the lead, though. Patrick Laird had one target, turned it into what? 10 yards. The God probably is the, back. Probably the most efficient receiver on the team, if we're being honest. <laughs> In all honesty, yeah. Uh, get get, get Miles Gaskin out of here. <laughs> no, honestly, like, has it been has it been a bigger a bigger catfish than Michael Gaskin? <laughs> I thought not Miles Gaskin. He's <laughs> even lying to me about his name. Um, speaking about fraudulent running backs, uh, Antonio Gibson rushed eight times for 34 yards, and he got three of his three targets for 20, 20 yards in Washington's Week Eight loss to Denver. Um, uh, Jared Patterson actually took over uh, as kind of the lead guy <laughs> on the ground uh, with 11 carries for 46 yards. And um, J.D. McKissick, who I would remind listeners, Ron Rivera once compared favorably to CMC, he caught eight of his eight targets for 83 yards. So a couple of questions for you, Michael. One, how dusted is Gibson? Two, how much sympathy do you have for people who took him at the one-two turn? And if it's more than zero, why? <laughs> yeah, a, a lot to unpack here. I think there's a couple observations from this game. First is uh, zero RB King, Blair Andrews, identifying Jarrett Patterson as uh, the RB1 in this backfield. <laughs> uh, number two would be, um, you know, I think McKissick at this point is kind of the most interesting uh, running back of this group just because he's he's consistently getting like around eight to ten targets a game which is quite useful um and at at this point lastly I, i'd say third is that gibson i i don't think you can even start him at this point he's clearly you know he i think he has a stress fracture in his yeah. um in his Shin. foot so at, at this yeah. point i think that that's really really hurting him in addition to the offense just kind of not really putting up points and putting them in scoring position uh, I mean, on, during draft season, I, I understood the case for him being an upside pick. I think the one-two turn was a little rich for me. I would have preferred more like the two-three turn. So by end of draft season, I, I was starting to to lay off a little bit once when he got too expensive. Uh, but I mean, the the bold case was certainly there um, in terms of the upside, but we're clearly yeah. seeing the downside as well. Yeah, it's the this is the stress fracture that we're talking about and like the thing that i found really weird was everyone calls it a pain management issue and it's like really kind of unempathetic because um i I can tell you if i had a stress fracture in my shin uh i would be in a wheelchair (laughs) right like like these guys are out here playing and and he's like uh he also wasn't on the injury report and i and i'm i'm sure it's Gibson lobbying uh, Washington to, to 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 let him get out there, and they need they, they do need to do something um, to save essentially who they consider to be a franchise player down like for later seasons. I mean, like this is it. Like like Washington are two and six. Um, this is it's, it's not happening for them this year. Even if it's Patrick returns, like, like what are they going to do? Have like an old man team try and save this season? No, it's not happening. Right? Like they, like they two and six. It's just it, it's dusted. Um, I do feel I do feel bad for Gibson. Everything kind of lined up just right for him. It's you know, so it's a bit of a shame, you know, seeing him like really, really put his heart out there, like really trying to grit this, like grit it out, just not make make any progress. Sadly, um, I was a little disappointed by Terry McLaurin earlier today. Seven, you know, seven targets, three for twenty three. And I think that probably says a lot more about. T- t- Tyler Henneke and the kind of quality of targets he's able to distribute. Just yeah, um, yeah. This was a a disappointing game for sure from McLaurin. I, uh, I mean, you know, Heineke looked good for a few games, but I don't think we ever thought that he was like the the franchise quarterback. Um, so. It's not necessarily that surprising, I think. Uh, I don't know. It's weird that McKissick is getting eight targets and McLaurin only only seven, maybe. Um, are you comfortable starting McLaurin in general? I mean, he's for the most part, he's been pretty good this season. I think this looks like it's just one kind of down game from him. So I don't know that this is enough to, to move me off of him, but you guys have another take. 
Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't ever really consider benching him. I'm just looking at his targets over the past seven games, 14, 7, 13, 11, 8, 12, 7. I mean, I wouldn't really – I can't really imagine finding a better option. I think there's going to be bumps along the road with Heineke yeah. at quarterback, but he's been pretty solid this season, and, you know, every player is going to have down games, so I wouldn't yeah. think too much into it. Yeah, I uh... – I played I played uh, McLaurin and Sutton. I had to pivot to them after I was dusted, thanks to Pittman. And I mean, it didn't help, but uh, I do it again, right? Like, like, <laughs> I'm, like I'm I'm already drawing dead, and I, and I need the high volatility, so um, I'm dead either way. But I I, I agree, Michael. I, I do it either way. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on another messy running back situation here, and this is with the Eagles. Um, a guy who we love, uh, Kenny Gainwell, he rushed 13 times for 21 yards in week eight against the Lions. I was curious, man, I, I, I'm not trying to take a lot away from this game because it looked like it looked like uh, the Eagles were running like the wing tee. But I really wanted to get your thoughts on on Jordan Howard, Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell. When do you know when to start these guys at all? <laughs> yeah, I think that. Honestly, Gaines, Gamewell's line is way worse than it was even in the box score. I think he had one carry in the first half. He didn't really get any carries until the Eagles were up by at least 30 points. So it was way worse than you could have really expected. Um, you know, I, I think that for, for Gamewell's fantasy value, you're really expecting the receiving role, and he had zero targets today. I think that's probably partially a product of um, you know, the Eagles playing from in front the entire game. And we're going to expect the Eagles to play a negative script in, I'd say, most games this season. So I think, it, you know, most games we're, we're expecting a bigger role for Gamewell. But I think mm-hmm. that this game serves as a reminder that the Eagles really want to have a committee here and it's going to be a messy backfield no matter what. And it's going to be hard to predict. And now, now it's not even a – when it was Miles Sanders, it was almost a better backfield because it was only Sanders and Gamewell. But now without Sanders, it's actually a three-headed backfield with Howard and Scott mixing in uh, as well. And, I mean, Howard and Scott had 24 carries for 120 yards and four touchdowns, so you can't really fault them for the way they played this backfield. Um, and I think that, you know, the success today will only make it maybe a little bit more um, – maybe convince the Eagles to kind of continue with this moving forward. So I think it will be a volatile, volatile situation moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I want to, you know, I want to look at this stat line and just say this, like you can just throw this game out because the Eagles passed the ball 14 times. And um, if you're counting on Gainwell's receiving role, then this game doesn't necessarily uh, mean that he doesn't have one, right? So, um, so that's what I'm hoping, but it's obviously not not a good sign that he's having to share a backfield with with these guys. It's never a good sign when a team brings in Jordan Howard. Olivia elevates him for this, but uh, in, ironically, the San Francisco 49ers' is backfield, not messy anymore. It's Elijah Mitchell's <laughs> world, and we're just living in it, right? Like he rushed 18 <laughs> times with 37, 137 yards in a score as the as the Niners went on to beat the Bears. And he could have had two more had it not been for suddenly mobile quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I personally won him in a few leagues with my 50 to 80% bids after week one, and I yeah. think that th- this is kind of showing he was, he was worth that value in the end. Um, so, you know, those teams aren't looking silly anymore. Um, I think, you know, Mitchell is probably a high end RB two at this point. Um, and you're probably starting him. Yeah. You're going to be starting him every week moving forward. I mean, no matter, even if this, you know, 49ers, you know, passing game kind of besides Debu, this, this team continues to just put up points and the running backs are always efficient in this Shanahan offense. Um, and right now Mitchell is just the guy. I, the only other running back to get carries was hasty and he only had three. So it seems like the Elijah Mitch, Mitchell show moving forward. Yeah. And is, I'm, it at I'm, all, is it at all a concern that Mitchell, I think now has two games in a row without a single target. Like he's just not involved in the passing game at all. Um, obviously, you know, these Shanahan running backs always break off long runs and have efficient 
games on the ground. But is that something that uh, you really want to count on week to week when you're not getting the sort of opportunity that, you know, leads to big fantasy games? Yeah, I think it's, you know, not ideal. I think if he was getting this receiving role, then he would be a, a true RB1 at that point. So I think that it's kind of baked into his value right now. Yeah. Yeah, I will actually say that today there was like a, a really rare sighting. Right, so we know Debo Samuel has taken all the work away, right? Like he just basically sucked the air out of the room when it comes down to receivers. But today, Brandon Ayuk, uh, a name I haven't heard in years, saw seven targets. <laughs> right, like, like uh, Michael, what are you be doing here with Ayuk? Do you feel comfortable starting him at all, especially with Kittle back next week? No, I mean at, at this point, <laughs> I think we can all say that we're truly disappointed in Ayuk. I mean, all the road of his had pretty high hopes on him uh, going into this year. Um, I don't think you can really start him with any sort of confidence uh, until there's a few games with at least, you know, six plus targets in a row. Um, there, I just can only imagine there's probably something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about uh, because he did look like a promising, you know, second year breakout going into this season. Uh, so I'm just going to repeat this rumor that's been going around. Um, so, you know, just, no, you know, just saying that, you know, there've been rumors that he's unvaccinated and I'm not so sure what his vaccination status is right now. Um, that explains I, a lot. <laughs> it does. It, it does explain quite a bit. Right. Um, uh, and you know, who else has been pretty much, uh, who might as well have spent his time in an ICU is, uh, is, is uh, Trey Lance. Folks, we have not seen this guy play since the one time. He doesn't even get in like get in on the game for like special packages anymore. Um, was it a big mistake for the Niners to have traded up for someone who simply does nothing? Like, like I mean, like, like, like where is he? Right? Like, uh, you know. So, what are your thoughts on Lance? Like, is he droppable at all? Um, I mean, I think. In- in Superflex, I think that he's still interesting and I'd want to carry him on rosters because when he did play, we, we did see that rushing upside that we finally saw from Fields today that we've been hoping for with these rookie quarterbacks. I think the upside is still there, um, so I'm still hopeful for that. I mean, in single QB leagues, I guess it depends on what other quarterbacks are on the waiver wire if you should still carry him or not. Um, because I, I do think that if if we ever get Lance named a starter, I think that he'd be a pretty interesting quarterback every single week with that rushing upside. Um, I wonder, I haven't really been reading too much into it, but I wonder if Lance is still maybe a little bit injured and they're just, you know, waiting for him to get the shot again. But, but if not, um, you know, I, I think that he's still interesting to stash for the time being because, I mean, Garoppolo hasn't done much himself either, so we could certainly see them transition back over to Lance at some point. Yeah. You mentioned Justin Fields, who today had a pretty good game, particularly on the ground. Um, I think he rushed for what over a hundred yards and a touchdown, maybe, Um, you know, we've talked about a lot of these rookies being pretty disappointing so far in Wilson and Lawrence. um, And even Fields has looked bad in, in other games before, but, uh, was this game enough to kind of make Fields more interesting as a someone you can start? I think, you know, two large factors contributed to this Fields uh, blow-up performance. First of all, is I finally gave up on him in season long and dropped him in all <laughs> rosters. So, of course, he was going to have a big game. And the second being is that Matt Nagy missed this game. And as soon as he's back, um, <laughs> oh, I imagine yeah. Fields will become a shell of himself again. Uh, so... I am not optimistic about Fields moving forward. I'd have to see, you know, another big rushing game from him again under Nagy, especially because um, I'm not sure how many of these runs were designed or not, but we didn't see any of that with Nagy as coach. So that's my biggest concern right now. Yeah, this is very much like the Cliff Kingsbury effect on the Arizona Cardinals offense from a few weeks ago, where the head coach misses the game and the offense looks significantly better. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we know Nagy's recovering from COVID. Who knows how long this COVID thing might last? Hint, hint, bears. Hint, hint. Because, um, uh, you know, it would be nice to see what, what, what they might have uh, going forward. He did look good. Um, 
I think we finally gave up on him in one of our Pentagon managed uh, leagues where um, I dropped Justin Fields from Mo Ali Cox, who took a zero today, which is just just a, a great thing. And so I emailed the league and um, I was like, yo, you guys let me do this. And, and Ben was like, uh, after the fact, said, oh, don't don't do that. So uh, just, a, just a little late. Um but you know, just moving into the into the afternoon game, just just wanted to get your thoughts here on the on all, like quite quite frankly, the craziest game that we've seen uh, so far was uh, Trevor Simeon uh, being the Bucks. Man, I mean, like like Winston tears his ACL, right? Simeon comes in, completes sixteen of twenty nine passes for one hundred and fifty nine yards and a score. You know. What are your expectations for the Saints going forward? And in what universe are you ever going to be rostering and playing Trevor Simeon? <laughs> well, I think that we should have all known that Trevor Simeon to Kevin White was going to be uh, both entering the box score this week. So, um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I'm still kind of shocked about this game. I don't really know how the Saints ended up winning um, because no one really seemed to have that great of a game. I guess it kind of ended up coming down to Brady having two picks and there was also a fumble. So it seems like it was a turnover, turnover battle kind of game. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting to see how, you know, Simeon at quarterback, if that affects Kamara's receiving role at all. Um, I know that the bucks have a really good front seven, so it's kind of hard to read maybe too much into this game. Uh, but Kamara did only have four targets today. Um, so it will be interesting to see how his role changes, if at all. Um, I'm not sure if you guys had any takeaways from this game. I, I did have one more question, though, for you on the on the same side of the ball. Uh, do you remember a guy by the name of Michael Thomas? Do you think we ever see him again? I think he's <laughs> dust. <laughs> this, but, but this is something that, that we were discussing a little bit uh, during during draft season was. This, this this Michael Thomas saga was very reminiscent of that AJ Green saga from a couple of years ago, right? And it's I mean, I mean it's kind of coming true to pass, right? Like like I don't know if we see him again this year, and I don't know if he's going to come back to play with Trevor Simeon on a team that's actively trying to tank, right? Like or they, they're not a, they're not they're not a true contender. Like you you play this game. Again and again, right? Like if you say, if you had a hundred a thousand you know simulations of this game, what like this the Bucks win in nine hundred ninety nine hundred ninety five, right? <laughs> like like it's just like how many like 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 what are the odds of this happening? Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure because I honestly haven't read too much about the Michael Thomas situation because I thought he was a terrible draft pick, so I I didn't really yeah. think that no I haven't really look he hasn't really entered my mind at all because I haven't been concerned about it. Uh, I mean, I, I just can't really ever imagine drafting a player who is guaranteed to miss half a season. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't be optimistic because even when he returns, you have no idea how healthy how uh, healthy he's going to be. Yeah, he was someone who I did actually end up drafting in a couple of leagues late in the season when his ADP really started to fall. Like, he was getting close to double digits and you know it's not like you feel great about it but at that cost you maybe i mean you can you can afford to not have him for the first eight weeks and hope that he comes back and is michael thomas that you uh remember from two years ago just for the last half of the season um i mean it was a better uh, a better pick than russell gage i'll give you that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um yeah yeah people would draft him for real right like, there was some kind of fever dream that i was having he was going in the ninth <laughs> it's a real thing yeah. that happened right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well who else were they gonna throw to right <laughs> you know you know when you go back and, and and look at it like it was like russell gage going earlier than michael pittman was like like that's just like how you know that these games are still very soft and very very beatable. I don't know. On yeah, on on the Buck side of the ball though, I, I wanted to get Michael's thoughts here on, on Chris Godwin coming back and kind of showing out. He's really been showing out like on this back half of the season. 
um, especially with Antonio Brown uh, out. Yeah, with, I mean, at this point, it seems like Brady is going to be thrown for 350 and four every single week. So, um, you know, we can expect at least one monster game from one of the receivers, probably at least a decent game from the second. And if the third is ever healthy, you know, maybe one of them disappoints, but there's so much production to go around that honestly, all three of them, could re- you could really bank on them in any given week. I know Brown didn't play here and Evan still had a bad game. Uh, he actually did find the end zone, but there's just so much production going around. You kind of want to start all of your bucks. Yeah. And just to make the, the target tree still remains fairly narrow. I believe Gronkowski, the poor guy, he had exited with back spasms. Um, you know, I, I really think that the team might choose to really limit Gronk going forward just because, um, I mean, this is a team that wants to repeat the Super Bowl and why risk him on these early season games? Um, but, but yeah, Godwin, Godwin's been awesome, man. Like, like this is a bonkers stat line, you know, eight receptions, 140, 40 yards and a score. Yeah. And I think the, the fun part about the Bucks, it's kind of almost the opposite for the Bengals, at least, you know, the Bengals have been passing more recently, but at least to start the year, I mean, the Bucks are willing to not only keep their foot on the gas when they're winning and, you know, have Brady win by 40 points, but when they're losing, they're willing to kind of almost completely abandon the run. Fournette only had eight carries today. Uh, Brady had 40 pass attempts. So you can really just um, be confident in this passing offense. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not only, I mean, in this game, you know, Fournette only getting eight carries, I think, has a lot to do with the script. But we've seen them, they're not they're not shy about passing the ball, even when they're ahead by a lot. So, I mean, yeah, you want you want to start almost all pieces of this offense, except Ronald Jones. <laughs> At least we got a, a Geo touchdown for our best ball shares. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, his usage this year has been just kind of baffling to me that he's like, he's not getting targets. Sometimes they get carries, but I mean, giving throwing the ball to Fournette five times and Geo only one time, I mean, that makes no sense to me. And it's been happening the whole season. What yeah, are we doing for, with Geo? If, uh, for, if we, for some reason, teams league. just always want to keep Fournette on the field. Uh, which, yeah. I, you know, I kind of get it because in, in some way he does give you that kind of like run pass uh, optionality when compared mm-hmm. to, say, Gio, when he's on the field, you're kind of more expecting pass. Um, but in, for, for Gio specifically in season long, I, it's hard to really trust starting him at all. Um, I yeah. guess you can maybe do it on an RB desperate team like through the bye weeks, but I wouldn't be confident in starting him. I have a team where this week I was forced to start Jarrett Patterson. So that worked out. But Were you forced or did you uh, construct your team in a way that would force yourself <laughs> to start him at some point? <laughs> yeah, I was forced by my own by my own poor decisions earlier in the year. Ah, but they you were good decisions, know. actually. Yeah, Jared Patterson's coming, baby. You know who backs yeah. him? Turns out I was right all along. <laughs> yeah. And you know you know who's a fan? Barry Sanders is a fan. Someone who might know a thing or two about the running back position. Go. All right. And on that note, we will call it a night. Thanks to our guest, Michael Dubner. Um, we kind of touched on it at the top of the show, but what else do you have going on this season? Yeah, you can just find all of my work at Rotoviz. I write the weekly uh leverage article for it's more geared towards FanDuel, but you could really use it for any dfs yep. site because you can apply the concepts elsewhere um mm-hmm. so you can find that weekly art- article over at rotoviz awesome yeah definitely go check out his work uh he's and not go no ahead. i was gonna say like like michael writes some of the best best ball articles in the, in the entire industry you can check that stuff out in the off season that's right <laughs> in the off season and you, you should because his threads will make you smarter. So follow him on Twitter at Dubner underscore Michael. Do, you, you do yourself a favor and start winning your best ball leagues for once. Appreciate I'm like, me on. This was a lot of fun to talk about, talk about the slate. And it's always good chatting with you guys. Definitely. All right. Uh, for Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. 
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.